You know what that sound means. Welcome to the most interesting part of your day. An exciting episode of the Metaphysical Mysteries with your intrepid hosts, Dr. Terry Trueblood and Dr. Tom Greenhall. Always finding the seekers in this world and reporting it directly to you, the free and the brave. We encourage all of our fans to check out our website at www.themetaphysicalmysteries.com where we have more content and reference items, links to many of our amazing and cutting-edge guests. We are excited to have you with us again. And as you know, this is the must-do podcast for anybody who is anybody in the metaphysical field. We cover everything from ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, amazing healing sciences, and leading technologies that are simply the coolest. We'll bring in researchers, doctors, and authors, and give you content that you cannot get anywhere else. Check out our latest merchandise and proudly wear and use the Metaphysical Mysteries clothing and accessories. Now, on with our next episode. Hey folks, it's Terry and Tom here at the Metaphysical Mysteries uh, with a special guest, Michelle Bunting. She was with us on season one, but things have changed and She's moved up the ladder here and into some new areas and new adventures. Um, and Michelle comes to us from the great state of New Jersey. And her uh, she's called the Consciousness Cultivator. At least that's the website. And uh, Michelle, you're going to talk a little bit about, I mean, we already know you channel Seth. So we, we get that. That's cool. And everybody can watch season one to get a little more background and stuff. But I think you're going to demo a little bit of that. But before we even get into that, um, we're going to talk a little about sound therapy and using crystal bowls and stuff. And, and I got to participate in uh, kind of a beta testing on some of this with you. So uh, give us an update, Michelle, where the heck you at? What's going on? Well, first, you know, thank you, uh, both of you too, for having me back on season two. It really is a pleasure. It's always a pleasure to see the both of you and, and have our wonderful discussions. A lot has happened. Um, as you had indicated uh, would happen quite some time ago, um, I have been guided and led to utilize my ability to channel and weave in the energies of love into the crystal bowl frequencies that I learned how to play. Um, initially for my family, I went to a couple of crystal bowl uh, sound baths and started kind of noticing things happening to my body. Uh, but what was really um, interesting to me was at the end, some people sometimes would sit up and would share their experiences and they started to share that they had come in with pains. They had come in from post-surgical um, opportunities and they were now in no pain. And that was, that was very noticeable for me because my mother has been suffering with chronic pain for decades. My brother suffers with chronic pain for decades. And I thought, huh, I'd really like to figure out a way where I can get my family to have regular exposure to these frequencies. And it was something that plagued me for a couple of weeks. Um, and then I went to another sound bath and I was laying there and the beautiful thing about the frequencies is that it moves you kind of into that harmony and alignment with all that is, which is just, it just feels so good as you already know. Mm -hmm. um, and 
what happens is the communication highway then becomes very easy for you to have that connection, to receive clarity, to have any experiences or communications um, that are necessary for you to move to your next level of awakening, which is the sassy part for me. But I was focusing more on the practical aspect as far as the healing properties of sound when it interacts with the body. Um, and all of a sudden, halfway through my sound bath, I heard a voice and it said it just like this. Why don't you just get your own bowls and play for your family yourself? And my, I was, my eyes were closed. I was really no mind. My mind was completely clear, just enjoying what, how the sounds were feeling on my body. And I tell you, when I heard that, Terry, my eyes flew all the way open and I started looking around. Of course, you know, I don't know why I do that. Why do we look around when, when that happens as though we expect something to be seen or maybe someone else heard it, which is not the case. But the sound healer who was playing the bowls noticed that all of a sudden my eyes had flown open. And she did ask me about it later on. Like I saw that all of a sudden, what was that? Um, and, and I shared it with her. So I got the bowls, started playing for my family and a voila, it worked like it was supposed to. My brother got up with no pain. Now it did return three and a half days later. My mother has much more severe chronic pain. And so her pain went, you could say from a 10 to approximately a three, which for her is life-changing. She used to have to pull herself up on the headboard just to leverage herself out of bed. And the next morning after a sound bath, she was able to sit up on her own and hop on out herself. Uh, my sister's best friend came to one of our family baths and she walked with a walker. She's been waiting for a surgery. She has two places in her spine that are broken, the L1 or L5 or something like that. Anyway, um, so she's, she's not, a, not an older woman. She's a young woman, about 10 years younger than me, but she has to walk hunched over to keep the pressure off her back with a walker. Um, she's very skeptical not in the woo-woo community at all, um, knows that I am and always kinds of, she loves me, but she kind of always looks at me sideways. You know what I'm saying? So um, I encouraged her, you have nothing to lose. So she laid down and a voila, when she got home, she could walk up the stairs for the first time, her steps to her door. For two weeks, she did not need that walker. She was pain-free. So I will stipulate that everybody is differently, um, but they do respond. And yeah. I'm experimenting now um, with Angelo Rizzo with a sound table. They're very prevalent on the West Coast, um, but they're non-existent yeah. on the East Coast. Um, well, and uh, we're experimenting now. Mm -hmm. Let's do this. Let's pause for but, just a second. Mm -hmm. We're going to queue up so the folks, the listeners and the viewers uh, can listen to a little sample of what you do. So we're going to cue this up right now and everybody just take a listen. And we're back. So it gives everybody a, a little example of uh, what this actually is going to sound like. Of course, that's a very short snippet of something that you want to sit in for 
you know, considerable period of time, what is it, some somewhere close to an hour? Is that typical? Or what is the normal sound that, uh, recommendation that you would lay in relax mode and listen to this? What, what would be your recommendation for people? I, yeah, I've done um, private baths that were only half an hour long with people that were suffering from chronic pain or some level of pain mm-hmm. um, in their bodies. And they were able to get up and, and, and experience feeling much better but I typically do an hour in a public um, session. Now you're doing, you're yeah. doing some pretty good sized groups. I mean, what, what's the numbers you typically try to run with or, or have been running with? It, you know, it can vary. I right now in this particular age that we're in this space and time, there are a lot of things going on. Um, so I've done groups that are as low as two. Mm-hmm. And up to, gosh, 20. Yeah. And some now even more um, are in the works for February, uh, much larger groups um, right now. And they can see those, the events are constantly going up on my website. Oh, of course. Yeah. You know, um, I've said before, you know, that the medicine that we do right now, uh, in 20 years will seem barbaric uh, in, in, in relationship to what the future medicine is going to be all about light and sound. And this is an early example, not an early example, actually it's kind of a rediscovered example of things that were done in the ancient times. And we just think we've discovered it, but in reality, it's been around a long time, especially in the Eastern cultures. Um, they certainly did that. And, and even in the, um, you know, in the Americas, both North and South America may not have been done necessarily with crystal bowls, but can be done with voice and other things with shamans and whatnot. And, you know, I think of Native Americans and so forth doing different work in that range, you know, so I really feel like that's interesting. And I just so the folks out there know, I, I participated a little bit in this, I had a significant uh, surgery, a knee surgery. And uh, so uh, Michelle sent me some stuff and said, here, you know, be my uh, training dummy. And of course, me being, you know, perfectly adept at that, I said, sure, <laughs> be happy to. Uh, I will tell you that, um, you know, it was pretty raw um, when I did it. And I did it for about an hour at a time. And what I noticed was the, you know, of course, it comes down to the concept of vibration. And if you have a traumatized limb or body part or whatever the case may be, they're running at a lower vibration. And we know if you have high Mm. vibration put into low vibration, it overcomes it and puts it all in tune because the body wants to be in tune. And um, so anyway, what I did notice was a significant amount of pain increase um, uh, at, at the beginning when I would lay there and you could feel just my, uh, in this particular, my whole leg was just aching, aching, aching like that. Um, interestingly enough, you know, afterwards though, you could tell a, a difference. It was, it was really noticeable difference. And I even I noticed the next day I was able to get up and move around a whole lot better than I had. And, uh, but I also know it also knocked me out and I went to sleep pretty easily, which I needed to do. Uh, you know, when you're post uh, major surgery, um, boy, it feels good to, to rest. And it was very difficult to rest otherwise. So yeah, I'm, I'm a believer. Yeah, I know it works. Absolutely felt it myself. Well, you know, it's interesting about what you felt, Terry, was that when the, as you know, our bodies are 75% water and sound moves the easiest through water. And so what happens is, is that when the sound waves are encountering your cells, Mm -hmm. 
the cells that are operating at a lower frequency begin to mimic and train to the vibrations of the sound waves. And so then your cells start to go through a process called frequency following response, where the cells will start to alter themselves at a molecular level so that they can raise it, their own vibration and match the frequency that's interacting with it. And what you felt was the movement of your cells as they were raising themselves to a higher frequency. I, I felt it <laughs> and to begin with, it hurt, you know, and I'm like, wow, this is crazy. You know? And I thought maybe I was just laying there being too stiff or something, but it, it really was just that leg that was hurting. Cause I kind of checked in with myself and it, the rest of the body wasn't hurting just that leg. And uh, wow, pretty significant. And Tommy, I know you're, you're, you know, you and I work in a field where in telecommunications, where we're very familiar with frequencies and, and so forth and, and light spectrums and we're doing crime scenes and stuff like that. So this is all pretty routine, I think, for, for folks in the, from the, coming from a law enforcement perspective, maybe not applied in this, in this uh, particular way, but we can understand the science of it. Absolutely. And, it, you know, there's a long history of this. And I mean, I'm having to duft, dust off the cobwebs and go back to my days as an electrical engineer to get some of this stuff that we're talking about these days. But, um, you know, the whole idea of the vibrational frequency, and we've been saying this for a long time that, you know, in the end, everything is energy and we can manipulate it to make changes. And this is just a different way of doing it. I've, I've done it with various devices over the years, different sound frequencies, not with the bowls but with electronic devices to get a similar type response that we can take the physical and translate it into basically frequencies and let people listen to the healing instead of adjusting medication stuff. And that's, you know, kind of a little bit out there right now. It's down the road, but uh, the groundwork has been laid for this. So this is another application of that whole concept. You know, one of the things Tom wrote um, some time ago, and I, I, I'm also an instructor in this, but it's about, because um, we both do public safety diving, is about ice diving. And there is frequencies um, that on the ice, if you're to like drive a vehicle across the ice at certain miles per hour, um, you'll fall through because it sends a wave of frequency that destroys the ice, um, you know, and you have to drive either higher or lower than that, Tom. I don't know if you want to go into any of that, but uh, it's running down the same exact kind of path here. Yeah, that's what they call a resonant frequency. So the vibration of the tires basically get to a place where it's matching up and it destabilizes the physical. And so that's what we have to be cautious of with, you know, in the application you're talking about, Terry. Yeah. Um, so that exists for everything. There is a resonant frequency with things uh, running optimal, so to speak. Yeah. So when you when you watch ice road truckers on TV, you'll actually note that there is minimum speeds uh, that they have to obtain in order to go across that ice. Otherwise, they could crush through those, even though it's very thick, thick ice, like up in northern Canada and into the Alaska and what whatnot. But that they there's actual science to all this, and even. Even roads that you see, you know, 18 wheelers going across at 80,000 pounds, they're vibrating that concrete. And that's why, you know, one 18,000 pound rig going across a piece of concrete does more destructive damage, weight and vibration than 50,000 cars going across. It's, it's crazy, but this is all science. And I think, Michelle, what you're doing is taking, you know, what we know is science. And that's what the show is all about, taking the mysticism 
and the science and blending those together and see how we can use them. And ancient mystics have been doing this for a long time. And I don't know if you have any history on there you want to share with that, um, but and bringing it forward and applying it in this particular case for, for health-related uh, effects. Well, I think that what you said earlier is very important to remember that in the history of our race, the human race, that we have been using sound for various purposes beginning of beginning. And even now today, if you go to certain Aboriginal groups of people who have not come into the modern times, they are still practicing those techniques today. Um, and they are healthy and they are thriving. But also going back and touching on what Tom was saying earlier, again, on the West Coast, they have been using and leveraging sound for healing for so long that it has become a normal part of physicians' practices to incorporate sound healing therapies with their oncology patients, with their post-surgical patients. And to them, it's like yoga. You know, we have yoga studios on every corner here on the East Coast. They have sound healing studios on every corner in the West Coast. I was talking to my cousin and I asked her if she was familiar with sound healing and she kind of shrugged her shoulders like that was old news. And I was talking about something that was just it, like I'm talking about yoga. Um, and so what, what my goal now is, is to use my, um, my ability to channel the energies of love, as I was telling you before, like a corkscrew into the frequencies that are traveling to the physical forms of the people who are at my bath for their maximum opportunity to leverage them for their highest good, however they would like to use them. Uh, and of course, everyone has free will. But yeah, it's, you're right. Absolutely right. This is not new. Not only is it not new and still being done again with Aboriginal tribes all over the world, our own country on the West Coast is using it left and right. And it kind of gave me uh, a, a renewed purpose to bring this technology and bring this understanding to the East Coast. Right. Um, then, so that's that's what I'm doing every day, Terry. You know, I will even go back and go so far as to say militarily, uh, we've been using sound weaponry for a long time. Um, not only do we think of things, I mean, you, we talked about let's see, was it the uh, embassy? Well, not necessarily, it was a council consulate in. Uh, Cuba, where all those Americans uh, had brain damage, and I think mm. they originally and they finally found out that that was related to sound uh, being projected directly at them in a negative way uh, that was causing issues. But you can go all the way back to the walls of Jericho, in the biblical times, where they remember they had God had had them walk around, you know, uh, seven times and you know chant and you know get the vibrations up and going. And the seventh day blew the shofars and the walls come crumbling down. So what was that? That's using, you know, all sound mechanisms for various different purposes. And uh, so the seven days was probably based on needing to loosen up the material over the course of time. Um, and uh, then eventually all blowing shofars at the same time. So, you know, um, yeah, this has been around a long time. So I want people to realize that this is not necessarily woo woo. Um, this is science. It's used routinely all the time. I mean, even in the 
you know, breaking up your kidney stones, you know, in a, in a bath in a hospital, uh, this using sound waves for a beneficial effect in uh, the crystal system. Do you want to deal, uh, talk a little bit, Michelle, about crystals in and of themselves? I mean, we know crystals hold certain energies. There are certain crystals that supposedly do different things for different people. Uh, people will wear, uh, you know, a garnet you know, for, you know, love life or whatever, or, or sex or, or whatever the case may be, you know, or, or a ro rose quartz. And, you know, they start breaking it up into and rubies do this and diamonds do that. And, you know, whatever amethyst does this and that, you know, and, and so I don't know if you get into any of what you use with your crystal bowls and what they're supposed to do, what they're supposed to resonate as. And if there's some bowls that are different than others or, or just exactly what, and how long, when you, if you strike a bowl and run a, usually run a, run a piece around it, you know, how long does that take? Give us, give some insight into how this actually operates. Yeah, absolutely. No problem at all. Um, I actually um, took lessons from Sarah Joy Coolen at uh, Divine Harmonies. And what I learned is that the crystal bowls are literally quartz crystal that has been taken from the earth um, and has been manufactured, meaning cut to a Hertz frequency of 432. Um, each bowl you will notice in the video is a different size. And that's because each bowl resonates a tone. So the F note, the D note, the C note, and so on and so forth, G, A, B. And each tone, like in music, resonates a particular frequency. And so the crystal balls that I play and that a lot of people play are representative of the seven energy meridians in your body, we call chakras. Um, so what's interesting about your story with your knee, Terry, is that I may be playing the crystal bowl that is the F bowl, which is the heart chakra. Um, and you would think, oh, well, that's going to help my heart. Well, yes, but your body is an intuitive creature and understands and knows what to do with sound in a loving, healing way. And it can actually know where to send the frequency. So I may be laying on the heart chakra or the root chakra or the crown chakra, but your knee is going to, your body's going to say, Oh good. Here's, here's the good stuff. Let's send it there. Let's share it there too. So it doesn't necessarily mean that if the player is playing a particular chakra bowl, I call it a chakra bowl, a sound bowl. Um, it doesn't mean that that's the only place in your body that it's being leveraged. Um, similar, similar. I like to use the frosted bowls. Right. I was going to say similar to Reiki because people talk, you know, uh, you know, as Reiki master, when we put energy in, <clears throat> we tell people it's going to go where it needs to go. And Absolutely. so you don't really have to worry about it. You can target it specifically if you yeah. know, but you don't have to. You know, as Seth says, our bodies were designed to protect itself against everything. And that the reason why our bodies were designed this way is so that each soul would have the optimal opportunity to have the, all of the experiences that it wanted to. And of course, it's only the energy of our beliefs that there's maybe something different in our experience. But originally, it was a good plan. Our bodies were designed to literally be able to know how to be a part of this mind-body-spirit complex in our journeys.
So let's see, 12 notes on the musical scale, is that correct? And um, um, 12 sign of completion, and there's technically 12 chakras. Of course, like Edgar Casey said, when they asked him about that, you know, said, you know, they, we talk about the seven chakras we typically talk about. And he said, well, there's actually 12. Well, what are the other ones? And his, I think his comment was a little sarcastic. Oh, why would I tell you about the other ones? You're not even using your seven. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, That's awesome. So kind of yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tommy? I think it's just some really cool stuff. Um, I think people should give this a shot. Uh, like I said, there's been a long history of the utilization of this stuff. This is just a different application of it. So if you haven't tried it before, give it a shot. At first, it's kind of weird. I'll admit that the first time I did, I'm sitting there listening, going like, really? But uh, once you get past that, you do get a, you do get an impact if you're open to it. Absolutely. Well, I know um, we were trying to figure out what to uh, what to call this stuff, or at least I I remember Michelle, you talked, and I kind of did a little meditation on that, and uh, I got back uh, chi splicing, and chi is dealing with energy, and energy is vibratory in nature, and light in nature. It's wrapped up kind of like a candy cane, both of them. And um, when you think of chi, your energy, and it's splicing over into something else, it's taking a high energy, splicing it into a low energy so that they weave together and become the high energy. And that's the way I saw it. And they showed me that and why they did it, chi splicing, I, I guess, because I knew what that would be. Um, and they also called it, uh, asked for a second name, just because I don't know, I was in the mood for it, I guess. And they said it was called Kaisei, which was, I think, more Japanese than Chinese. Uh, I don't know why they said that, I don't know. But um, Kaisei is, again, energy, but it was an energy sword and a sword that uh, does not touch blood, but still would, would uh, have an effect on the body, of course, uh, in light, almost like a light sword. So pretty, pretty interesting stuff. Get a little Jedi mind going here and I'll keep talking too much, but uh, <laughs> Um, I know one of my degrees is in telecommunications uh, management. And uh, so this, this kind of concept has, has certainly very common in my mind uh, to the average person. I suppose it doesn't even strike them. Uh, but when you think of your microwave that you use every day, I mean, that's all in the spectrum. Um, you're looking at infrared light. A lot of times you go into a gymnasium gym and you're working out. You know, like these uh, Planet Fitness, they're all over the country. Almost all of them have a total body enhancement. There's a infrared light. You get in a booth, you know, like a tanning booth, except it's just infrared light. And that's going in at that particular frequency to heal, um, you know, a lot of tissue issues and so forth and make you feel better. So this is concepts that are coming right online, right out in front. Um, Michelle, if somebody wanted to get involved with this as far as um, start themselves and and pick up a crystal bowl or get some training, what, what would you say for them to do? Um, I would encourage them to kind of, first of all, it's a very intuitive activity. There, there's a certain level of knowing your, your soul knows what to do with sound waves. But to get the full body and range of information, I would consult with professionals that are experienced in their field. Again, I took lessons from Divine Harmonies, but I also, I also realized that I needed to kind of go beyond that as well and understand the impact as what you just said, Terry, hertz frequencies and the different levels of frequencies and how they impact the body differently, which is kind of what I'm integrating now in designing um, my sound baths to understand that, you know, 
40 really helps with tissue regeneration and broken bones or, you know, so on and forth and to learn all the gradations. Um, so you're right. It's not just the seven chakras. It's not even just the 12 chakras. There's a lot of different ways to incorporate the body of knowledge of sound. Even if you're only just playing the crystal bowls, I would start with lessons though. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, and tuning forks are another version of this in a way. The tuning forks are typically not done with crystals uh, or quartz, but it's done with metal, you know, and, but it does create the vibration out of course for police, police officers that use tuning forks every day and they're regular if they're on patrol, they do anyway, especially because uh, that's how they check their radar guns. People don't know that mm. they use tuning forks they have two of them typically and they'll check one and for a low one and one for a high one uh and it picks up those sounds and then if you put them together it creates an, yet another third if you put the two together so um kind of fun and so then when we're out there shooting the radar going down the highway it's picking up your car at a certain vibration you know of course when your radar detector goes off they've already got you just fyi low behind the scenes hat because uh it's already hit and yours went off and it's already bounced back and they already got you so <laughs> how good those are maybe for the guy who was in front of you uh, as the as the one antelope says to the other when the lion approaches uh you know i don't have to outrun the lion i just have to, have to outrun you so it's just kind of one of those things you know um anyway so um but with those this is pretty commonplace and i think the application is where people really need to dig in and find what their application desire is um if it's mental health we we had uh, uh jenny brinker on she was an rn we had her in the season one and she used this in pennsylvania at a hospital um and there was a lot of people with ptsd and, and drug issues and so forth and she would use the crystal uh bowls to um get them to a, a better state of mind uh in the process and and i think there is ongoing research in all of that and I don't know if either of you have a comment on that, but uh, I know that's that's happening. Well, if you look on my website on one of my sound pages, um, you'll see if you scroll to the bottom, that was one of the most fascinating things for me to understand is that sound healing therapy is being used in prisons. It's being used to treat soldiers who are returning with PTSD issues um, and a variety of mental health issues. And when you think about it, you're elevating and altering the vibration of your cells. And so the impact to your mental wellness, your level of happiness, your level of being able to feel good, even when times could be challenging, is everything. I mean, it's everything. We just came out of a holiday. We're running into New Year's Eve. It's a stressful time for people. You know. The, the points in your life when you're feeling these difficulties, I think, and I agree with Tom, you have nothing to lose. Try it. Even if you're not a person that suffers with chronic pain, if you haven't just had a surgery, there's so much more to be had um, with using sound frequencies. All right, cool. Do you have any of your bowls handy there or anything close to you that you could show us? I don't at the <laughs> moment. <laughs> Although if we want to pause for 10 seconds, sure. I can go get it. It's right there. I can just take one out. Okay. We can do that. Okay. Back by magic. Uh, Michelle has uh, thus produced a crystal bowl. That's a pretty good size one. And you say that's yeah. made of, that's just uh, standard quartz. I mean, that's quartz not crystal. A, 
it's like like smoky quartz or any of the other quartz variations well, it's just this this quartz has it's it's frosted um yeah. but this this is material that comes from mother gaia um that we can use to heal ourselves and this is the f bowl have you ever ate so uh, i like this ever, one because you, this is you ever eat Rice Krispies out of that? Does that give you special powers? Yeah, you know, it's not a bad idea. I get the best yeah, ideas from idea. you, Terry. I love that. That's awesome. Well, you know, I, here's the thing. I read a story, uh, read a story or saw a story about a, um, a crystal that a, a guy, um, was this related to, I'm trying to think if it was related to the skulls, you know, the, 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 12 skulls, you know, crystal skulls or whatever. Anyway, long, long story short, um, it was a crystal that they had people put in their water and they would drink the water with the crystal in it every day for like a month to get, um, a, a outcome, uh, that was in, in this particular story, uh, it turned out very well. They were quite ill. And, uh, so, so even though I was joking about the rice krispies in that bowl, cause that would be a, probably a Terry size bowl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, it makes you wonder when people, I mean, they try all kinds of things. Why not? You know, I mean, what do you get to lose? Like you say, but yeah, maybe frosted mini wheats, maybe that's more my, my thing. So I don't know, but now that I've quit interrupting you and I'm hungry, it must be what it is. I need to get some food. Uh, but <laughs> go ahead. Show us how you, how you play that thing. What do you do? Okay. So it's, you know, again, it, it's very intuitive. You want to be gentle because it is, it is quartz crystal that has been cut to be 432 hertz. Um, this tone of this size bowl resonates to the heart chakra. So if I was going to do a little something, I might as well send out some love, right? So you just use a striker. This is a basic striker. I like to use silicone um, where the silicone striker sticks, but this is perfect demonstration. I use these to do that. And, and you just do this for a little bit and your body is going to respond. Again, the word is entrain, entrainment. To the frequency of the bowl. After you strike that, how long does that frequency last before you have to restrike? Depending on the impact of the striker on the bowl, different lengths of time. Okay. Gotcha. Very cool. It's fading in and out of your background, so it looks kind of magical from this side. Now, how much, how much does that actually cost if a guy or gal wanted to invest some money and get their own system? Uh, well, so what's a ballpark range? Somebody could sound explain. healing, sound healing instruments are, <laughs> are not cheap. You can get a basic set of bowls with the, um, the cases that you can carry them in, you know, and you're looking at a thousand dollars. Sometimes if, the universe is good to you and the universe is always good to you. You can find some on sale for less than that. Um, 
but there are some bowls that are $200 a bowl, $300 a bowl, um, you know, strikers alone carrying cases. And then of course there's other quartz crystal sound instruments I just received for Christmas from a dear friend. It, it's in the shape of a pyramid and has, but this is glass, it looks like glass, it's not frosted. And when it sends off the sound waves, um, which is a popular thing to use in individual sound healing therapy. Um, so they can run $50 or $300, depending on the size. Very good. Very cool. Well, um, Tom, you got anything left on that? We're going to shift over to uh, some of Michelle's other uh, unique techniques here, if, unless you got anything else. No, I think let's go for the next next segment. That'd be awesome. Yeah, we're, we're, we're always excited to see magic, <laughs> magic shows. We're like little kids, you know what I say? It's just the way it works. So, yeah. Um, so folks, uh, Michelle also does channeling um, and she channels Seth. Seth is a group consciousness. Um, there's other group consciousnesses out there. Uh, how would you characterize Seth for the people that are going to, you know, potentially watch this or listen to it? If you think of it as um, uh, like kind of a, almost like a collective consciousness and there may be one, one of the individuals for us, it's to, it, it, we have to use linear terms sure. that speaks for the, the collective. That's how I would describe it. Very high vibe, very loving, very much in service to humanity. Would you say that these uh, Seth is coming from a, fifth dimensional, sixth dimensional, seventh dimensional. I don't know what, what, what have they ever indicated that they come from? You know, the interesting thing that Seth has explained is that there is an awareness outside of our own dimension, of course, of your own levels of existence. And that there are levels of his own existence that he is aware of, but not necessarily isn't able to consciously um, be able to communicate with. And others, yes. Others, yes, very much so. Um, so when you look at that, he would say, well, I am in all levels of, as we all are, of, of existence. And yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. We're, we are in all levels. We just, uh, what we're focused yeah. on right now as we're speaking is third dimensional stuff. So yeah. I suppose uh, we kind of keep our focus there. That'll help folks understand better for those that are more advanced and they can drift off into whatever dimension they seem to need at the time and kind of go from there. It could get a little woo woo for some folks on that end of it. But um, yeah. so now as you go into trance here um, and Tom and I would ask a few questions, is there anything we should know beforehand that uh, or is this uh, yes, wide open? That questions? every human on the planet can do this, that mm -hmm. every one of us has been designed to have multidimensional aspects to our existence, that, was intended for us to be able to leverage um, in service to our divine journeys. So for those who think it's a little strange, I would encourage them um, in a very patient and loving way to understand that what they're seeing is a reflection of their own abilities. That's probably the most important thing. I can would you share. say that because you are um, connecting with Seth, that that's part of your, you're in that group yourself? I mean, your higher consciousness, your higher self would be in that group? Or would you say, maybe not, maybe just to I guess in a, if we, if we, <clears throat> if we have to, um, and, and the relationship is, 
evolving. Mm -hmm. The relationship as I evolve, my ability to understand it more evolves. Um, What I'm I'm beginning to understand is that the understanding of um, our actual oneness with everything in all of the universes. And so I know the question that you're asking, Terry, and I'm exploring that answer. I will share with you something that maybe you intuitively might be able to intuit. For many, many years, I've been fascinated um, with having wolves. It's been one of my things in my bucket list to get me a mountain in the Appalachian Trail. And I would travel to the West Coast where I've identified a place that um, breeds um, wolves. Now, of course, you can't own a wolf. It's not legal, but you can own a wolf. It's only 99% wolf and 1% dog. And so I've done my research and I know exactly where I'm going to get my pack of wolves, pack of wolves. I understand that mine will be the black one because that is my, one of my spirit animals. Um, and of course, my children will have one. And I have this entire construct um, in my mind. I was reading on one of my um, free workshops that I do every week where I go through an actual set book that was written by um, Jane Roberts. And I like to go through it because I'm still learning. <clears throat> and I have um, people that attend and we basically pick apart the set material. And do you know that two months ago, um, I read in one of the books that Seth, the incarnation where he was called Seth, died because he was attacked by a pack of wolves. The shock that resonated through me, I, I couldn't even pretend. There were, I stopped talking because I, I put the, the, the pages up on a PowerPoint screen so that everybody can read along with me. And I don't read the book in advance, I read it together with them. So we're all reading the material for the first time together. And I know that there is no coincidence in the universe, but I am still journeying through these coincidences that I have been stumbling upon. There is something. and I'm not sure exactly the breadth, the full scope of this relationship, but I, any thoughts on that, Terry? You know, I love your intuition. <laughs> How is it that this thing that I have been dreaming for myself to, to co-create and be one with nature in that way, specifically with my, with a pack of wolves that my family can enjoy, that we can the symbiosis of the relationship of humans and wolves, um, which I am, there, there's no question in my mind, is the very way that when Seth had, was one of his incarnations, he was called Seth, he likes that name, that's why he calls himself that name now, he's fond of that name, but in that incarnation, that is how he died, attacked by a pack of wolves. Well, what happens when you die? You know, there's a, there's a transition of energy, is there not? Yes, there is. What do you, what do you transition into? Oh, you transition back into home, not physical. Okay. Your truth, who you really are. Okay. And so in his particular case, uh, taken out by wolves, I mean, wouldn't there be an energy transfer there? 
but I love wolves. <laughs> I want, I want my own pack. I mean, well, I, I, once again, um, yeah, I mean, wolves represent a lot of different things to people. I will tell you though, from a canine handler point of view, um, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. Anybody have wolves? Um, <laughs> Uh, a wolf dog, um, usually bred with German shepherds, they breed them down to about, I think, the fourth generation away from the wolf before they consider them safe to be around, just FYI, because they're such a, uh, you know, wild creature. So um, very, people do find themselves uh, chewed up into pieces, um, <laughs> owning some of those, some of those wolves, wolf dogs, um, and so forth. But um, I understand the concept of wanting to you know, bond with the, with the freedom and um, the group mentality, but it makes sense because they run in a pack. You're talking to a group consciousness and so forth. So that does make sense. And, uh, and they, they work as a team together to, to get things done. So it makes sense that that would be part of part partial to this. That's why I ask if you feel like your higher consciousness, your higher self is part of that group, I would suspect that's accurate. So just talking okay. to your own people, that's why it's a wolf pack. It's a great representative representation of uh, the style of the group consciousness. So thank you. Yeah. So anyway, well, hey, we'll let you uh, get into your whatever zone you need to get into. And uh, we'll <laughs> hang out until you're ready. How about that? Yeah. Greetings, divine creators. Greetings. Happy to have you here. Happy to be with you in this moment in space and time. You available for questions? I am available for assistance. Absolutely, yes. Inquiry number one. Could you give us insight into the COVID disease, what purpose it serves for humanity at this time? Although the global event was created as a mass event, meaning individuals create their own reality and such groups can also create their own realities. We call them mass events. There are the individuals and the nature then of mass events. And so collectively, this was a 
condition that was created by the masses. However, the situation itself is utilized very uniquely and very individually by each person, meaning each person will interact with the creation you call COVID in a way that they choose to experience. Some, when they make the decision to leave their bodies, you call die, there is no death, but in the terms that you think of it, some would like to use this situation as a way to express something and utilize it to die. Others use it and leverage it as an opportunity to overcome, an opportunity to exert the force of their will to overcome a challenge. Others interact with it very differently. And so can then begin to get the range that although the event was created as a mass event by all, meaning humanity wanted this situation, but to be used individually for each owns creative intent then. And it has served everyone in that fashion. If you look at death as a bad thing, then you will see the event itself as a negative thing instead of what it actually is, an experience. Very good. Thank you. The next question relates to, of course, on the planet, we have countries and the future of the United States of America as might be seen through the eyes of Seth uh, as a group, um, the future in the next, say, 20 years of our experience. This is a very good question. As each one of you is creating their own reality from the unique perspectives of their belief constructs, then beliefs resonate energy, thoughts resonate energy, everything is energy. Each one will experience a nation from the lens of that energetic standpoint, meaning there are those who are evolving into the fourth and fifth densities of awareness, who are able to cognize larger concepts in a fourth dimensional platform and how they will experience this nation in the next 20 years is very different from someone who holds belief structures that the nation has problems, the nation is bad. Those who are not moving as far into the precepts of unity consciousness, most assuredly on an energetic level are going to have very different experiences. Meaning from a quantum perspective, you have heard of the concept of a new earth, yes? Yes. In fact, there are an unlimited number of Earths representing the unlimited number of probable 
realities, parallel realities that have come forth in creation from your race then. And so then a big question then becomes which earth, which country on which earth are you speaking of then? You understand that for every reality, there is an unlimited number of probable realities in which your nation exists. And depending on the lens of your belief structure will depend on the nation that you are experiencing. For example, if you are aggressively seeking to evolve your own state of awareness in this 3D structure, moving your consciousness into what others think of as a higher levels of vibration, meaning into the unity love structure, into the oneness energy structure you call alignment, many call alignment. For those, they are understanding the concepts of oneness and unity in a way that creates beliefs like this. We have no enemies. We have no enemies is a large belief that is difficult for most of humanities to assimilate. Why? Because they have lived life experiences that have demonstrated that people are unkind. But for those who are retailoring their belief systems, they are reconstructing beliefs so that their world will reflect the new beliefs that are being constructed and the energies. So then if you understand that everyone is a reflection of you and that every single human on the planet is a portion of the one consciousness, each having their own unique experience for the purposes of the expansion of the universe or all that is, then you understand the other people are you and you are them. If you can understand that and understand that the source energy or the source code, some people refer to it as, is termed the energy of unconditional love, then in truth, you have no enemies. If you believe this, you will merge from a quantum perspective into realities where you will experience that truth, a nation of peace, a world of peace, a world without racism or hatred. But if you have others that want to fully experience and they will experience a very different trajectory, a very different country on a very different earth. You understand? I do. And the question would be, I propose that if individuals understood, and this is based on the reincarnation principle, if they understood each had been male, each had been female, each had been black, each had been white, Indeed. each had been Asian, Indian, whatever race, uh, perhaps that level of consciousness would raise individually, thus creating a change in the group. Is that correct? That is correct. For every person that awakens and achieves echelons and levels of awakening, meaning they are furthering their evolution, the clarity, the energy, the knowledge is shared into the collective and assists others who would still like to awaken. That energy is utilized and leveraged by the others in your race. So you have heard the term or the concept that one can change a planet, yes? 
Yes, exactly. And it makes it easier for the others to follow. There's always going to be the Indeed. way showers. And once they have assimilated to higher levels, make it much easier for others to follow. Um, that those first ones are the more challenging ones. Would you confirm um, that some of these folks are simply more seasoned or however you would characterize it, more seasoned souls that have been here longer and can make that way showing occupation that the movement uh, a little easier than others that have not maybe experienced as much. Indeed. The breadth and scope of the universe, as you know, it is beyond the human brain's comprehension. So I will attempt by using this limited language in this construct to explain it. All that is the universe source is much more than what science has understood then about the universe you live in. Meaning there are life entities and forms that exist all throughout the universe in various degrees of form, if you will. If you think of light, if you think of matter, if you think of the inconceivable ways that life can exist. And so, yes, there are souls, as you say, I say aspects, portions of consciousness that are wise, seasoned, old in terms that you understand it, but there are also very high vibrational beings that have also come to your planet throughout time to assist the ascension of humanity. And so you have what you call, it's kind of a blend then, if you can. You have those souls that have emerged and evolved as a consequence of having experienced this life as a human. You have you have people who are here to assist humankind in the form of what you think of as human, when in fact, the soul did not originate from your planet. You understand? I do. But selected to incarnate on this planet to assist humankind with their ascension into love then which Following. can be tricky because one can get caught in a loop. You understand that. I do. In the veil of forgetfulness that you refer to. Following that concept, using the religious constructs that exist, I'm going to focus on Christianity and Judaism. Um, let's go to Judaism first. There is a concept or understanding that Elijah, as the soul or aspect was known, um, he reincarnated as John the Baptist, but yet there is a uh, some discern that that's not fully accurate, that there will still be another Elijah-type um, soul to come on and to start a, and begin a mes messianic age, if you will, where the Christ consciousness, uh, not necessarily Jesus the Christ coming back 
Christians would say he would come back in a physical form. Um, others say it would be in a uh, energetic uh, Christ consciousness form. Is there any anything you could do to clarify any of those thoughts that come from? That probable reality already exists. Mm -hmm. And the soul that exists in fractals, let me explain this. Let me, let me explain this to you. And this is disconcerting for some people. Your soul is fully within the body that you are occupying right now in this incarnation. But you, this incarnation, are only a fractal of your entire soul. You understand yes. that? Completely. And so the reality, the, the choice point that you just described already exists in a what I term a probable reality. It is then up to the soul itself, which of course at all times can exercise its free will. It is up to the soul itself at that point then to choose on whether another incarnation will be able to have that experience, whether it desires to have that experience and how it wants to utilize the broader perspective of the experiences that it is having then. Are you following me? Yes. On whether or not it is going to leverage the awareness of another incarnation to have that occur. I hope. I did not say that in a way that confused you Tom? or the audience. I think I got it. If there was one. What you speak of is already happening now and this moment, because outside of the third dimension, you understand time does not run only in the forward movement. Here you have a past, a present and a future. You understand, but if you can understand quantum from the quantum perspective, that there are an unlimited number of realities that one human has created in this incarnation alone, you can try to imagine the scope then of the vastness of all that is. And so what you speak of is occurring right now then. Yes. People are looking for an individual and incarnate body is what they're looking for. It may not be what they get, but it is what they're looking for. And they tend to look at it that way from since they live in a third dimensional linear thought process. Um, that's why they ask those type of questions. Understood. Tom? If there was one message that you would want to give to our world today that would help them in their growth, what would that message be? What do you want them to know? The most beautiful question. The only thing that is important to know that you came to remember yourself and in remembering you came to come into the fullness of love, to be kind, to remember that 
you are an untapped reservoir of the energy you call unconditional love. You are worthy to receive and worthy to project it. You are an entity that has already been entrusted with the power to create worlds. It has been shared with you by all that is. You are trusted. You are trustworthy. You are deserving. You are the embodiment of the ability for all that is to love through you then. You are love. If there is only one thing that you will try to believe in the observation of this experience, believe the truth of who and what you really are. Release judgment of self and release judgment of others. The universe expands from experiences. There is no wrong, there is no bad, unless you believe it is true. Resonate and align with who you are, the embodiment of love at all times, and you can transform everything. Very good. Well, we don't want to keep you. Um, we will say thank you for this uh, experience and we will allow Michelle to regain her composure and um, until we uh, speak again. Thank you. Thank you. Wish to extend our gratitude and appreciation for the work that you are doing. The time we have spent together here was a time of projecting clarity, projecting truth, and projecting love into the collective. And so it is with deep gratitude to both of you that we bid you only a temporary adieu and extend the heartiest of our appreciation for your work. Good afternoon. Thank you. Okay, very good for our listeners. And uh, Michelle is back for viewers to see that she is. Michelle, how's that feel after you get done with one of those sessions? Hi. 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 Yeah, like you got high. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah. how much do you tend to remember when you go into a trance session? I know a lot of people don't remember anything, some maybe 50%, and there are a few that remember. I am aware of the words as they are being spoken. Right. I can remember now parts of it. You know what I remember? I remember okay. seeing fields and fields and fields of earths. I remember that. I don't remember the question that spawned it. But so I snippets. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's every, every channeler is slightly different. I have found that they do um, on their remembrance. Um, they get a, some of them just have a sense of what was covered and other ones may remember 50% or, or, or more. It's possible. Uh, Edgar Casey using him. We talked about him a couple of times. I mean, he would go into a deep sleep. Uh, and so he would remember nothing. 
and he would have to have that fed back to him so he could, you know, kind of, you know, go through it himself to learn because yeah. really yeah. you're setting yourself off on a shelf. I tell you, you take the little, little Michelle and you just kind of set her on a shelf <laughs> and let the, the greater consciousness come flowing through that instrument. So you can get a, a, a better microphone out there to the folks. So, yes, absolutely. yeah, so it's pretty cool stuff. So, well, you know what, we've covered a ton of material here, everything from, you know, obviously channeling Seth and getting some really cool earth uh, information for everybody. I hope everybody's enjoyed that. And then also if people are interested in moving through into this field of um, sound healing, uh, the, the kind of things that Michelle has shown here and, uh, uh, you know, described, and, and we've got a chance to see it, uh, little snippets and listen to it a little bit. Uh, and we'll, we'll put some of her contact information up at the end of the into the podcast and on the website so you guys can reach out. Uh, Michelle, if people want to reach out to you, you want to kind of go through how what's the easiest way to do that, how you prefer that? Yes, um, I, I love um, helping people um, learn and expand. So if they have any questions or if they want to get into sound healing, I'm happy to help in any way that I can. They can email me at theconsciousnesscultivator.com. Um, you'll, you'll see me there. Um, feel free to send an email. I put my phone number there. Feel free to text, feel free to call. Um, I think we're all in this together. So I do try to respond within 48 hours. So be patient. Um, the consciousness is the best way to go. Very good. Tom, get some wrap up. Yeah, as always, Michelle, it's a great experience when we get to a chance to share these things with you. And I think the audience, um, had an experience that they weren't going to find anywhere else today. So thank you for offering that up and being here for everybody. Really appreciate it. No, thank you, Tom. I really appreciate you. And I appreciate Terry for, you know, having me back. It truly is an honor. And you know what? I just like talking to you guys. So thank you. <laughs> Likewise, you know, and as we say here on the podcast, the most interesting part of your day and so with that, I will, on behalf of everybody here at the podcast and Michelle, uh, I will bid you adieu, as Seth would say, and uh, we will uh, talk to you all very soon. All right, we're out. See ya. <laughs>